BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for tuning in to the Sports Ethos Nets podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory, on Twitter, at RealCodyMallory. I am once again joined by my two co-hosts, Anthony Dittmar. That's at Anthony Dittmar underscore on Twitter. How's it going, Anthony? Um, not very good. Uh, it wasn't very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into your curse later, but let's wait. Let's wait a little bit. And uh, also joined by Joe Farrow. That's at the Joe Farrow on Twitter. Joe, I'm sorry. You had to sit with Anthony yesterday at the game. Gave you a bad look. But besides that, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Barclays was electric last night. Very fun to be there. Couldn't hit a big shot. We'll get into that. But you know how it is. It was fun, though. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it, guys, it's been a while since we've had a guest on. But I'm excited to bring out our latest guest, Christian McKenna. You most likely follow his Nets account on Instagram. Uh, it's Nets Reports. Thank you for coming on, Christian. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Always uh, excited to bring on some passionate Nets fans. Uh, there's, yeah. there's only about eight of us, they say. So whenever we connect <laughs> a few of us, it's always nice. Yeah, cr- Christian's 20,000 definitely says otherwise, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. no choice. I think it's 22,000, Joe. I know. I was, just going, in, I was just going ballpark. Relax. <laughs> every everyone counts when they say we're limited but anyways before we dive into the crazy season the game last night everything that's been going on uh christian why don't you just start with telling the listeners a little bit about yourself so maybe personal uh, life about your nets page whatever you want to say all of you so my name's christian also known as nets reports um, I started my account right after our 2019 season on April 26th of 2019. Um, fast forward almost three years later, you know, we have a super team in quotes. Um, yeah. And I'm around 23,000 followers. And Joe is actually one of my first followers. So, I mean, he's, uh, he's one of my OGs. Um, but I'm currently a freshman at Seton Hall University, majoring in journalism with hopes to eventually become 
a Raider on the Mets. Thanks, man. Um, sorry about Seed Hall. You're not a UConn fan, so you don't get to watch good uh, <laughs> basketball. But Dean Hall hired um, uh, Shaheen Holloway, though, so that's big for them. True. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. going to be nice. That's yeah, really but, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, 23,000 since 2019. I mean, that's damn impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. What made yeah, you start? I'm curious, like, when, like just because your passion for the Nets, or like it was just something that you did and it kind of caught fire. How, like, how did you get to the, like where you are now? Like, how did you build to twenty three thousand? Like, what did it take? So, I basically I had a fan page on the New York Giants before I had a Nets page, and it was going pretty well, but it wasn't really anything crazy. And then they, I just stopped posting about them. But I always wanted to like have a following on the Nets, and like they've they've never really. I'm not gonna lie, like they weren't really good before the 2019 season. So like <laughs> it, it it was gonna be difficult to start a fan page, and you know keep staying engaged with it. But you know after I just I knew we were getting Kyrie and KD. I I, I just knew it. I saw it as a perfect opportunity to you know start something special. Perfect timing, honestly. Yeah, you couldn't. I, I felt like a lot of Nets fans had hope. I was cautiously optimistic personally because, like, I heard all of the people saying the Knicks. I thought Katie maybe yeah. the State. I feel we had a better chance of Kyrie than KD. I didn't really know their package deal until like later on in that season. But like you said, there was something that I felt like in that playoff series against Philadelphia that I felt like after we stole that game one, it kind of put us on the map. And even though we probably weren't going to win that series, like obviously I wanted to go a little longer than five games, maybe push it to six or seven. I knew that kind of put us on the map, and I was hoping we can get someone. Even if it, there was a point in time where Nets fans were like, "Let's get Tobias Harris or Julius Randle." Right. Honestly, <laughs> what a wild turn of events. But like, uh, I remember just being like on Instagram. I didn't have my like dedicated Twitter at the time to like really diving into Nets analysis, and I was like more on Instagram than I was on Twitter, and I believe it was it was like elite nets or something like that on Instagram, like shouted out Christian's page. I followed him <laughs> and it was just like, and it was like, I would always just comment under his stuff talking about the nets and he was always super cool to me. And then we ended up talking, we had ran into each other at the beach uh, last summer or something, or like two summers yeah. ago, something like yeah. that. Like, so me, so like, I, I'm very proud of you, Christian. It's been really cool to see. I appreciate that, man. And and I didn't even know you had your, your own thing on Twitter um, until I actually made my Nets Reports Twitter. Yeah. And I, I see you on Twitter. You got your, your own account, and it's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying my best. You know how it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> Not all the real Cody Mallory's on Twitter. True. Not everyone yeah. can uh, get to my Yeah, you don't, you don't want to follow that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I got you after this. <laughs> but uh christian i gotta ask you before we go into your thoughts on the entire season i just want to hear your thoughts on the whole james harden situation oh god this 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 might lose me a couple hundred followers if I get <laughs> really that that deep into it but i'm gonna throw you right into the fire i gotta hear it right away it's kind of the biggest um, storyline nets have had all year uh i mean he's a quitter that's that's really the bottom line. I mean, you could you could understand from his point of view, you know, Kevin Durant's injured at the time, Kyrie's part-time, but I mean like 
bottom line, we're still the best team in the world when it all comes together. So, I mean, eventually Kevin Durant was going to come back. If Kyrie was still part-time and it was just James, Kevin Durant, part-time Kyrie, that should have itself been enough for uh, James Harden. But, I mean, it feels like this whole time, you know, he, he wanted to be in Philly. He wanted to be with Daryl Morey. And it, it, he's just a quitter. I mean, we, we kind of set everything up for him. We ran Jeff Green at the five just so he could function to his full strength. Um, I mean, I, I this is going to sound harsh, but I literally hope the Sixers get smacked in the first round. I, I mean, whether it's against us or not. I mean, it's great to see them lose. I'm, I'm literally praying on their downfall, like, yeah, the Sixers are are easily just my least favorite. They always have been, but you know now that they have James Harden, um, and I understand like the fans that are defending him. He did he was really good for us last year. Like I I was praising that he was the MVP, he was the best player in the world, and I mean ever since the rule change, he comes in this season just completely out of shape, um, saying he's basically playing into conditioning or whatever he was saying. I don't know. Um, and he just – he just I really don't think he wants a championship that bad. So, I mean, us trading him away for, you know, a solid package, which is eventually going to be Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond. Um, I think we really got something good in that. Yeah, and we got those two first-round picks, which... Right, exactly. I mean, I don't know if we got all of the capital back that we gave up for him. I think it was, what, like five picks, some swaps, obviously. Was, Laverty, I, it, I believe it was two, three first-rounders and two pick swaps. Two swaps. Along with Harris, Jarrett, and, like, who else did we throw in there? Like, fucking Torian Prince. Like, Torian Prince. Yeah. Cody. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> given, like, the circumstance of... I mean, don't get me wrong. He's this year. He even on Philly. Like, if you look at Philly's, watch their games. Like, he's not the same player. I don't know if he's yep. still out of shape. If it's the hamstring, like whatever it is. But Sean Marks, in my opinion, I think Joe and Anthony would agree with me. He did a tremendous job getting everything mm-hmm. that he did. And Andre Drummond was just such a sneaky great addition for the Nets, and he filled such a void, even if it's only twenty to twenty-five minutes a game. And to get Seth Curry to fill in for Joe Harris, who they lost for the season, like. The Nets are the nine seed now, but in my opinion, they can still win a title. I don't care what seed they are as long as they get into the playoffs. 100%. That's, that's the big thing. And Sean Marks, like we said, we were talking about this last episode, that like Sean Marks like will do whatever he can to make his stars happy, and which is why we said Kyrie could still sign two more contracts with the Nets and retire a net, which we think he will. So it's just like – Sean Marks is just going to do whatever he possibly can to keep his guys happy. And Kevin Durant obviously is happy. He signed his extension already. And now he's going to have Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons locked up, at least for probably the next four years after this one. So good on Sean Marks. It's just the guy's phenomenal. 100%. Yeah, I feel like Andre Drummond was a part of, like, no one talked about in the trade beforehand. Like, it was always, like, Bible Curry. We heard a little bit Danny Green at one point. Like, I was, like we said a lot of rotating names. I feel like when the trade went down, we saw Drummond in there. It was kind of like an afterthought. I know last year, Nets fans wanted Drummond after he left the Cavaliers and then he was on a buyout and he went to the Lakers. And then he ended up playing really bad in the Lakers and kind of like, we're kind of like, oh, thank God we avoided that. But I feel like he really resurrected his career this year, like playing behind Joel and being in very limited minutes. And especially now with Nets, like playing the starting five role, 
like we saw yesterday. Like he was just like gobbling up boards. He could get to the rim. He was getting some of the shots, and he's probably the best player for the Nets last night, to be honest. He and, was. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally the Andre Drummond show. Me and Anthony were sitting there like, why the hell is this happening? <laughs> you know why it happened, guys? That's all the shit talking did about UConn. That's what you deserve. Watching UConn uh, here play we go. the best player on the Brooklyn Nets last night. Oh, my but, God. Uh, I mean, I was when the first trade first went through, everyone was bummed. They want Maxi, they want Thibault. And I like I tweeted out and I put like Drummond's gonna be a bigger impact for the Nets to compete this year and maybe if they sign him next year or whatever, then Thibault would be. And I got hammered for saying that. Absolutely hammered. <laughs> and it looks like I might have been right for yeah, once, yeah, Joe. Maybe maybe, maybe so. once. <laughs> yeah, maybe one time. But I mean <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, anyways, Christian, uh, what are your thoughts on the entire season as a whole besides the James Harden situation? I mean, we've gone through some highs, a lot, a lot of lows. Now we're kind of <laughs> back to a high, but kind of not after last night. Like, what are your thought takes on this the entire season so far? Um, I'm not gonna lie, even, even at the beginning of the season when we were the first seed, like, um, you know, I had higher expectations for us, even with the fact that Kyrie was part-time. But once I saw James Harden, you know, not really – and, again, this is not a shot at him, but it, the bottom line is that he was not playing to what we needed him to play at. And once I kind of realized that it wasn't just a slump and it was more really like this is how he is now, I, it kind of made me think that, you know, we weren't we – weren't, seen as the the top team in the world anymore the Suns are playing at an insane level um and you know the Warriors at the time were playing really well we got smacked by the Warriors um the first time we played them but um it was really like disappointing I'm not gonna lie this season has been pretty disappointing it's definitely not what we thought it would be but um things are looking really really good right now I mean, whatever's happened in the past this season, I don't really care about. Um, we're a completely different team. We have a completely different roster. And it's hard to judge what this season is because we haven't even seen, you know, our, our defensive player of the year candidate. Um, and in, in, he has insane size. Run him at the small ball five and Ben Simmons. I'm really excited for him. And I, I really think when he plays, we cannot be beaten. So, I mean, again, like you said, as it up, it's up, ups and downs. My God. Um, but overall, even though we're the ninth seed, I, I still really like our chances at a championship. Yeah. yeah and, and I think, I think we're all in the same boat with that. I just wanted to. So Steve Nash said last, what was it? The other day. That, like, if Ben Simmons is ready come playoff time and he hasn't played any regular season games, he has no problem just throwing him into the fire in the postseason. What do you think about that, Christian? Um, I mean, I don't want to bash Ben Simmons, but the stigma around him is that he kind of gets nervous in the, in the playoffs. So, I mean, say he has a few bad games in the playoffs, like, this, his, his – confidence is crushed and I mean the playoffs is a whole different beast like we've seen it last year with the Nets they completely turned it up in the playoffs like um 
on the best case is that I think we play like our schedule. I think we have the easiest schedule for the rest of the season. I could be wrong, but yeah. like I our mean, hardest game is like against the Bucks, and then like the rest yeah. of it is like out of the playoff teams for the most part. I think we play. I think our last two games of the season. Again, I could be wrong. I think it's the Cavs at home, and then like the at Barclays, and yeah, then the Pacers. Yeah, which we're going, would the be three of us are going to that Cavs game too. <laughs> oh really? That's sick. Yeah. And you you whoa, might even whoa, get whoa. to see uh, Jared Allen play. That's what we were hoping. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> Hold up, Joe, real quick. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, me and Anthony Joe isn't selling are going his to ticket. the game. Cut it out. We're selling Anthony's ticket. This is the perfect time to tell everyone. He is the Nets are zero and three when <laughs> Anthony Dittmar is in the arena. <laughs> so, like, I, I'm telling you one thing. He ain't sitting with me. I don't know about you, Joe. I'll get a seat somewhere else. We went to we went to the my, I went to the the Philly game because Cody supported that game and the first the Philly game at home. And Cody couldn't go, so I took the tickets. We lost that game after kind of playing well the entire game and choked. The Miami game, the same thing. We went up like 10 to 15, then choked. And the Charlotte game, we went up like 10 and then choked. So I watched the same oh that game play out three different times. Yeah, so like, I'm not sitting with Anthony. I just wanted to put that out there real quick. I told I everyone to yesterday, because I had like 15 people come at me saying, don't come to the games. Like, if they lose in the eighth, I'm not coming to a playoff game. If there is one, but I'm not coming to one. <laughs> I, think it's be- I think it's better for the team that I take one there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just real quick to feed off of what Christian said, uh, the Nets' um, remaining opponents have a winning percentage of 42.5%, which is the lowest out of all 30 teams. So they do have the easiest schedule. And then after, for their schedule, um, after they play – so they play the Pistons on Tuesday, obviously – after on April 2nd, so Saturday, they play in Atlanta. They don't have to leave the city of New York again. Um, they have three, four more games. Three of them are at home, and the only away game is at Madison Square Garden. So the schedule's there for them to win, maybe go with seven games left, six and one if they lose a game to Milwaukee. But I don't know. I think they're still going to avoid that nine seed, but the schedule, the strength schedule is definitely there for them to end the season well, kind of get that momentum. If we could see Ben, like Christian was saying, like the last four, three or four games, like they're against favorable opponents, letting get used to playing with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, kind of get in that role of playing the small five ball at points. And I mean, if it comes down to it, I think you have to throw them into the playoffs. Well, I agree with Christian. It's definitely not ideal at all because his past, but I don't know. I don't also don't see Nets fans turning on him like the Philadelphia fans did, which I think that played a huge part of it um, as opposed to just how he was playing on the court. I think the fans turning against him definitely played a big part of it. 100%. And I was going to get into that. Like, I I don't I, – I really think Ben Simmons, like, people want to bring up these stats where, like, he's unplayable in the fourth. What, like, I, I don't remember his stats in the fourth quarter last year in that uh, Atlanta series. But, I mean, he was putting up, like, two points, zero points, like, one point. You know what, I, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um, But, like, I, I genuinely do not think that is – possible with the Nets you have I mean it, it's kind of difficult when you can't really this isn't a nudge on Ben Simmons but I mean he can't really shoot he can't really space the floor and I mean your team is revolved around the big man that is on the block like what are you supposed to really do so I mean yeah. 
um, if you have a lineup of what Kyrie, maybe Goran Dragic, actually, no, it's kind of small. Maybe Kyrie, like Seth. Seth, Durant, maybe Claxton and Ben, like that's perfect. That's literally perfect mm-hmm. for, for Ben. Even if you want to, depending on the matchup, if you want to run him at the small ball five, like that's even better for him. And that just makes him even more unstoppable in transition when he has Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie running right alongside him. So, I mean, um, I, I do not think it'll be like the Philly uh, situation at all. But at the same time, like, God forbid he does not play well, I feel like it could kind of get in his head. But that's on the Nets fans, and that's on the team's job to, you know, lift him up while he's down. And I, I think we'll do that. So, I mean, like you said, like, it's not ideal, but if they have to, I definitely would play him, like, just throw him into fire at the playoffs. Yeah, and, I mean, we were talking about this on the last episode. We were just saying, like, Bruce Brown has had so much success. Now, just imagine Bruce Brown with, like, seven more inches on him and (laughs) insane speed and playmaking ability playing alongside all the guys that we've been playing Bruce alongside, like – I don't see a world where it doesn't work. I think Ben is just going to thrive. And I, I really hope that he's able to play very soon. Right. 100%. And I, I, the one player we didn't see last night was LaMarcus Aldridge, even though he was cleared to play and he was active. I, I know that Joe and Anthony aren't uh, very high on Aldridge, mainly because – Anthony, what did you call him? Like, I, I know you – some some term. What did you say? A walking statue, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, walking statue (laughs) on defense. So, I mean, most of the NBA now is pick and roll, attack a big, get him switched onto a guard and let an elite guard beat him, which obviously LaMarcus Aldridge does not thrive in. (laughs) But (laughs) I just can't imagine. Like, you put a lineup out there of Kyrie, KD, Seth Curry, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Ben Simmons. I mean, everyone can shoot the ball besides Simmons. So, Simmons is almost even playing in the dunker spot. You could have Aldridge running the pick and roll, pick and pop, et cetera, and he's not clogging the paint for Simmons. So, I mean, the Nets exactly. and Steve Nash have a ton of options, and I honestly think that that's going to be their biggest problem is that Steve Nash has two weeks, a week and a half, to figure out what's going to work, and they got to run with it because they're going to have there, – there is a situation where the Nets have to win one game, and if they lose, they're going home. And then they might have to win another game. If they lose that one, they're going home. That's what it would be like right now if the playoffs started. Yep. I don't like so, that. <laughs> so, so while they have all the talent, like Steve Nash still has to put everything together and figure out who has to play. There is such a thing of having too much talent. Like <laughs> he has to cut this rotation that when everyone's healthy – realistically goes 10, 11, maybe even 12 deep of good basketball players. He's going to cut it down to eight, maybe nine. Like, who's the odd man out? I have a star. I, right. I'll, start, I'll start. I'll call James Johnson. <laughs> Bro. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I agree. It's minutes away. Yeah, like, even just get him off the team. Like, I'm sorry, but Kessler Edwards, even though he might not play, he has to be on the playoff roster, in my opinion. Like, there's no way he can't be on it. He's not going to be. He's not. It's just I not know he's, I'm like, I'm sorry, but just cut James Johnson. Like, get him out of here. 
even in Kessler Edwards' limited minutes last night against Charlotte, like there was a play, he got an offensive rebound, knocked down a three. Then he blocked a shot on the other end and he dunked it on the next possession. Like that's winning basketball. Like the Nets, besides Ben Simmons, they don't really have that defensive wing. I mean, obviously you have Kevin Durant, that's everything, but Kessler Edwards is that guy in my opinion. Well, like I I want to convince myself that James Johnson is like horrible, but like there are I'm not gonna lie, like I, I don't want to gas him up, but there are some games where he actually like played a huge role in us, like the Cam Thomas Knicks game. Yeah. Um, I mean he was he was locking it down on Randall for the, the entire second half. So I mean in the playoffs. I do th- like. God forbid we have to play James Johnson. I feel like, I, I mean, at the same time, like I don't know because we have our lineup would be what Kyrie, Seth, um, Durant, Simmons, then whoever plays the five. Then off the bench we have Bruce, who who is basically James Johnson comes in for like when Bruce subs out. Um, so I mean, but yeah, that's that's why we're probably that's why if Ben is there, James Johnson probably is not playing because you're running yeah. that 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 four spot is basically just Bruce and Ben at that point, right? Or even KD so, could play the well, four. Yeah, yeah, KD, yeah. and then ben five, whatever you want to do. But like James James Johnson is a very 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 poor man's Ben Simmons, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like Another like that's man. just the way. That's the way I take it. Like when Ben Simmons is playing, there is nothing you need James Johnson on the floor for. Like he's a pretty, he's a big guy. Obviously, I think he's an MMA fighter, but uh, he's twenty. He's, like, he's twenty-one and zero in MMA. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Like maybe if the Nets cut him, you go back to MMA. I don't know. <laughs> we'll play Greg Hardy. Like he's a, he's a bigger <laughs> he's a bigger body. Like he can guard pretty much. I, I wouldn't say one through five, but two through five. And, like, so they use him for, like, a Julius Randle matchup. Like, that's a perfect matchup for James Johnson. So, like, I get it in that instance. But, like, last night, you don't need him on the floor at all. Like, why is he playing? <laughs> yeah. And, really if you have, don't. and if you have Ben Simmons, like, there is nothing that James Johnson does on a basketball court better than Ben Simmons. Not a single thing. <laughs> right. 100%. And, like, whatever James Johnson does that he's useful for, like, Ben Simmons will be doing it at a much better level where Kessler Edwards is, like, kind of a different role where he can shoot. And, like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. I agree with you guys. I feel like Kess is not going to get converted from the two-way. But in my opinion, I think he should. That would have had to happen a lot earlier in the season, I think, like, if they really thought that he was going to be playing playoff minutes. But, like, James Johnson last night, like, like, the only thing is – with him, like, if you want to put him on the floor just for, like, a defensive matchup and just be that bigger body, cool. Stop having him handle the ball. Like, why are you running <laughs> Point James Johnson? Like, Point James Johnson doesn't work for anybody. I don't understand why they always do that. It pisses me off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I go, kind of got it. Yeah, I kind of got it when, like, they literally didn't have anyone else. Yeah. They, well, they, they, they anybody, simply, but now yeah. that you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, right. they're both yeah. there full time. James Johnson should never be handling the ball and running a set. Like, I stop. <laughs> I mean, I, I get that Kyrie likes to play off ball. We kind of saw him thrive next to Harden because he played off ball a lot. But 
I mean, still, like, there's no need for James Johnson. <laughs> I don't want to bash a Nets player. I try to not do that unless it's, like, Javon Carter or someone that, like, I really can't stand. <laughs> but I don't know. Because, like, like Christian said, there's been games where James Johnson definitely contributed to the Nets being competitive and winning the game. Yeah. So, like, but I feel like we haven't seen that in, like, two months. Yeah. He can't do it consistently. I mean – that like that's not me. I I also think that we should have Kessler Edwards on the playoff roster, but I mean, um, I don't think it'll happen, unfortunately. And also with you bringing up Javon Carter, I cannot. I'm sorry to change the subject, but I cannot wait for us to play the Bucks, and he is somehow <laughs> just gonna light us up off of the bench. And like I can't it's just I feel like it's gonna happen. It always happens to us with the random players, but um uh he's a former net, so I feel like it's just even better that it's gonna happen with our luck. I like I definitely feel like the Nets are cursed, man. Like <laughs> like exactly. it's always a player that's like a 28, 31, 32 percent shooter that knocks down like eight threes against the Nets. Like we saw it with Austin Rivers. I, I can't even like think of everyone that's done it this year. There's been like Bobby six Portis or seven. Did it earlier this year. Bobby Portis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That game and was like, rough, bro. I, like, just watching I mean, Bobby Portis drain like seven threes or eight threes against us, I was like, "What the hell? How does this happen?" And we somehow beat them that game, right? That was the that was when yeah. Kyrie was only playing, right? Like that's insane. Yeah. It was just like it was like Kyrie was a magician that night, but it was just like, yeah. like guys, he has to stop eventually. Like he can't keep getting away yeah. with this. <laughs> nice, exactly. Even like against the Grizzlies, they knocked down nineteen of thirty-eight threes, and they only averaged eleven a game. Like when we lost that game last night, we saw it again with the Hornets. I Cody mean, Melo was. Cody Martin, that one-legged runner, like freaking Dirk from the three-point line. You know, that little ball from the baseline, falling out of bounds. As soon as he, as soon as uh, Caleb or Cody, whichever one it was, made that shot, yeah, me and Anthony both stood up in sync and walked out. <laughs> like, didn't even say a word. Just stood up as soon as it went in and just started walking. We're like, all right, <laughs> we're done now. I actually think he's shooting the like. I think it was a. Uh, Brian Rucco, he said that he might be 40% from three this year, which is like, that is oh. insane. Cody or Caleb, I don't, I don't know which one it is. I don't even care. But, um, <laughs> like, that's, that's honestly pretty crazy. Like, I feel like that's pretty under the radar, but who cares? <laughs> all right, guys. So, unfortunately, uh, the Nets played last night. It was, I think we all said it before, it was kind of like a playoff game in a sense because it was for the – series uh in the season who had the tiebreaker kind of the hornets were only a game back of the nets um anthony joe i'll let you guys start you guys were in the building so give us your takes on the game before me and christian kind of chime in so Um, like i just want to say before we get into actual game during pregame introductions you could not hear them say Kyrie's name like that building was loud like, you couldn't hear anything in there but a bunch of screaming. Like, you couldn't even – and people got, like, a false alarm because they kind of messed up, and they did Seth Curry right before um, right before, <laughs> right before, Kyrie. <laughs> and they said, at guard from Duke, and everybody started flipping out. <laughs> and, then, and then everybody realized they said number 30, and we were like, oh, shit. 
<laughs> we went then they went into Kyrie and then it was like literally deafening in there it was awesome like I I would pay the price of admission to go to that game again just to experience that another time but I mean me and Anthony were sitting there all night like when we saw that Andre Drummond was the only person doing anything we were just like okay like this is just not going well we were up by 10 at one point like right before half and we were just like, man, like, this isn't a real lead. This is going to go away very, very <laughs> soon. Like, you could just feel it because, like, Kyrie, like, he wasn't hitting his shots. And also, nobody was – they weren't really doing a good job of getting getting him the ball. Like, I mean, first play of the game, if Kyrie doesn't touch the ball after that whole introduction, that's just, like, that was a mistake. And Ky- it took Kyrie a while to settle in. He, he – did do some stuff in the fourth quarter, but it was definitely a very, very ugly, ugly game. Yeah, we like what like you said, the atmosphere before the game was unreal. The first half, it was like kind of a weird vibe. It was like a weird pace. I felt like the whole game was just odd. Like, got Durant really wasn't like on his game game, even though he was playing kind of well. Like, Kyrie obviously was not. Like, no one else was really getting like good offense going. It was kind of like Patty Mills still looks cooked. Like, we didn't see Aldridge, Blake, or Cam Thomas at all. I felt like we should at least use one of those guys for offensive purposes, and we didn't. Um, second half, it was just ugly. Like this third quarter, we kind of, this end of the half, we kind of gave a little run, got Charlotte back in the game after up double. And the second half, it was just third quarter was really bad. Lamelo couldn't miss. And the fourth, we came back and I shook the lead for like, the three minute mark. And then just some of those shots that went in, I was just like, how are these going in? Like it just made no yeah. sense. Every time it was a rotation, just felt like it was an open three point shooter. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I mean, not rotating. And, yeah, Lamelo was already on fire, and that was with like actual like guards defending him and then once we grabbed the lead with like three and a half minutes left every single time down the floor Lamelo was able to switch on to Andre Drummond and he was just torturing him on the perimeter and it was just like it was every and without fail every single time it was just like they would do one little set and it would just end up with Andre Drummond guarding Lamelo at the top of the key and nobody even within 15 feet of them it was just like complete straight ISO and LaMelo was just killing Andre Drummond the entire like last stretch of the game. And obviously the Cody, Caleb, Cody Martin shot, whoever the <laughs> fuck it was, they, that was like, that, that was done for. And then me and Anthony are walking out and we see like a minute, like then we just see Miles Bridges nail a three in the corner. And it was just like, all right, whatever. This is just a tough, tough scene. But yeah, it was it was definitely a lot of ugly basketball last night. Yeah, man. Like I just want to say that the Nets once again struggled to be a goddamn zone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's pathetic. I mean, we saw it. I can't even remember what game it was. I tried to wipe it out of my mind. It was that recent. Yeah, and it's that just like. I, I don't get it, man. Like it's a like they're professional basketball players, and they're not even just like, they're, like the best, and they don't know how to attack his own. Like that's what the Hornets played the majority of the second half was his own. And I really felt that Lamarcus Aldridge should have been in the game personally. Um, they had Drummond or Claxton kind of sitting at the foul line catching the ball, and like they're not attacking his own. You put Aldridge there, like that's a layup for him, and. Mm. I don't know. They just didn't try to do anything different. Granted, they did miss a ton of wide open threes. They were seven to thirty-four on the game, and like it wasn't bad players missing wide open threes. It was Kyrie. It was Seth Curry. 
It was Drogic who was 0 for 4. Patty Mills struggles continue. He was 0 for 3. Durant was 3 of 11. Irving 1 of 9. But they didn't really try anything different until it was too late when Kyrie started getting downhill and getting to the basket. But by that point, I mean, Charlotte caught on fire and they knocked down, it felt like, five threes in the last minute and a half of the game. And I think it was either Frank Isola or Richard Jefferson. They were like, when you put yourself in that situation, anything can happen. And we saw right. it with uh, Martin. I don't know which one it was. I think it was Cody Martin. <laughs> we really should have just, like, looked up which it, one. It, it, it was <laughs> Cody Martin because I was thinking to myself, God damn it, this guy has the same name as me. <laughs> but um, So I know it was Cody Martin. But, like, we saw it with that one-legged runner, and they I think it was RJ, but I'm not positive. And he was like, that's why the play-in tournament is so scary because anything can happen. So, I mean, it was frustrating to watch. The Nets gave up a ton of offensive rebounds. Um, yeah, I think they had they gave up 17 offensive rebounds. Like, Charlotte was hot from three. Bad loss. Very bad loss. I'll even say it was the worst loss of the season. I know the Nets got in at 4 a.m. from Miami. Kyrie Irving said he didn't go to bed until 6 o'clock in the morning in the postgame presser. But the Nets were pretty much fully healthy. They blew Miami out the night before. Kyrie, Katie, they didn't play in the fourth quarter. So, like, there's really no excuse, in my opinion. Like, you needed this game. Now you lost the tiebreaker. You're the ninth seed. Um, very bad loss. Like, worst of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, the loss is going to definitely hurt Felix. Now, like you said, we lost two out of three to Charlotte. So, it's a tie is essentially down one. Um, like, you know, you don't want to count out the teams losing. So, now you're going to have to, like, put the ball in their court as well. You move yourself out of the contention for the sixth and the seventh seed almost. Like, it's almost like guaranteed now, unless you play a, un- like a perfect season the rest of the way out. And even then, you might still need some help. And it's just, yeah, you, the eight versus nine difference. Like, yeah, the seven versus eight sucks because you want home court. But like, the difference between eight versus nine is even worse because like you have to win two playing games for both elimination. At least if you're in the seven, eight, you win one, you're in. If you lose, you still have another chance. The nine, 10, you lose one, you're out. And then if you even win, you still got to win again or you're out. So it's a huge, huge difference. I'm just saying the Nets with their team, granted, like we said before, a lot of ups and downs, should not be in a situation where I need to root for the Denver Nuggets to beat the Charlotte Hornets tonight so that we can get out of the nine seed in the Eastern Conference. Like that should have never, I don't care what happened, that should never be a thing. <laughs> right. Uh, and like, yeah, he's good. What, what you said before about the uh the adjustments like charlotte came out with that uh zone in the second half and that was you know the team's tired you know the second leg of a back-to-back they're coming in at what like you said 4 a.m Kyrie went to sleep at six like they're exhausted so that's a game for steve nash to you know out coach the other team's coach and it just did not happen yeah yeah um and it just did not happen like they go small on us. I don't remember the exact lineup, but I, I, I'm not 100% sure if Miles Bridges was at the five. Some, some It was either him or P.J. Washington. I'm not 100% sure. It was but, like, yeah, and, like, that's a perfect matchup for Nick Claxton. Like, that's literally what he's here for is to, to go against smaller teams. We saw it in the uh, Miami game. Like, Andre Drummond is literally getting dumped on every single play by Bam Adebayo in the pick and roll. Like, Nicholas Claxton is just a much better – he's a more mobile player, and that's a perfect matchup for him against the Hornets. 
And like, we're still watching Andre Drummond in the game, uh, struggling, getting switched onto the level ball. And, you know, it was just automatic every single time. We couldn't, we couldn't get a stop for our lives. And, and then on the offensive end, like we got, I mean, I don't want to put anybody on blast, but like everybody's just like chucking up threes. And then like Kyrie starts to get it going because he's taking it to the basket and he's getting within the three point line. Like it started to work and it it wasn't really rocket science. Like everybody just kept trying to shoot these pull up threes and it just looked like they were tired. And like you said, with the zone, like I would have loved to see LaMarcus Aldridge just right at the free throw line automatic every single time. But like, it just, it just didn't happen. Um, I think it was a, a not really good coached game from Nash. Um, that isn't me bashing him. He's, he's a solid coach sometimes, but, um, I mean, they, it's sad to say that they look tired in a game with that much significance, but that's, I feel like that's what they looked. I mean, they just did not look good. I agree. Like you said about Nick Claxton, like he only played 15 minutes last night and I really like, really should have played more, especially against that team. Like Miles Plumlee is playing. I mean, Mason Plumley is playing with a broken left, right hand, and that's his dominant hand. And he's trying to put the ball up with his left, and then he's going. And then the other centers are like PJ Washington and Montrez Harrell. Like that's a game that Nick Claxton should be in for probably twenty five minutes. Like you know, like my, my, which one is it, Mason? And you guys got me confusing all the names now of all these players, but <laughs> like he, like you know, Mason Plumley's only going up with his left hand. Like, that's not that hard to guard, if you ask me. Like, (laughs) if you can't use your other hand, it's pretty simple. Even though he's a bigger body, it's like Nick Claxton has the edge against every center on that team. And, I mean, Drummond did. He played well in the first half. But, like, that second half, he really – he wasn't great, especially on the defensive end. But I feel like even even if you subbed in Nick Claxton to take those minutes from him, you're not losing that much, especially given the matchup. So I feel like that was definitely an adjustment that should have been made. And it was just like, even a guy like Blake Griffin in that situation should have gotten some run. Cause in the last couple of games that he's played, he's played very well. So, and um, what I was going to say was that I feel like I forget who said it before, but we do have a lot of um, options on this team. I think it was Cody that said it. And yeah. it, it, I think we saw it last night where it really played a role on our downfall. And, like, I feel like Steve Nash wants to – I feel like he knows that Andre Drummond, we kind of need him after this season. I mean, we don't need him, but, like, it would be great to have him back. And I feel like he's trying to uh, start him as much as possible and just make him happy. But, like, while I'm watching the game, I'm like, why is Nick Claxton coming off the bench and now he's paired up with Montrez Harrell, who's, like – a a post up, you know, he's, he's a strong guy. He's not the tallest, but like, he's a great rebounder. He's basically like six, eight Andre Drummond. Like, yeah, that's that, that should have been Andre Drummond paired up with him. But like, we're seeing Nicholas Claxton who should have been against Mason Plumley, who's not, you know, the strongest or the, you know, you know, you know what I mean? He's not the best yeah. in the post. Like, I, I feel like it was just, two plus two that it was a better that Claxton should have started. But um, I think there's definitely a problem where Nash feels pressured to make everybody happy. And we saw that last night. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, there's just there's no adjustments. Like, why are you having KD bring the ball? If you're not gonna put Aldridge in the game, have KD sit at the foul line. He'll absolutely torch the zone. Like, yeah, do, exactly. Make, make an make an adjustment to get them out of the zone. Like, the Nets couldn't beat it. Granted, like I said, they were missing pretty much wide open threes. Like there was threes with like Patty Mills, who's been really struggling, even Seth Curry, where there wasn't a defender within like three feet of them. And I mean, good shooters usually knock it down, but they simply weren't falling. And they just didn't make any adjustments. And it's really frustrating. But uh, real quick on the Andre Drummond thing that Christian was just saying, um, he made the comment when they were asked about um, the Nets keeping Claxton or whatever. He was like, yeah, you don't know what the future holds. Like, I'm just here for the end of the season. Um, it got taken out of context by a couple of outlets. Uh, Legion Hoops tweeted something about it. And Drummond quote tweeted it and said, weirdo vibes. I used to respect your page, but you are no longer credible. Trying to capitalize <laughs> on false info. And he threw up the uh, famous peace sign that he gave the Miami Heat. <laughs> and then... And then Drummond posted on his Instagram story for your weirdo for you weirdos posting articles saying I won't resign. Let's be clear, I didn't say that. All I said was, if we were being honest, I'm here for the rest of the season, and I don't know what the summer will bring. I can only control what's happening right now. Thank you. On that note, Nets world. So I mean, I just this isn't this isn't Hornets way at all. But I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Drummond coming back just yet. Um, I think he's definitely enjoying his time in Brooklyn. He seems to be very happy. Every single picture that's captured of him, video, like the man's always laughing. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, don't shut that door yet. But like you said, Nash has a big that can do everything. He's got one that can play small in Griffin. He's got one that's a traditional five in Drummond. He's got one that's a knockdown mid-range shooter in Aldridge, and then he's got the quicker athletic Nick Claxton. And, like, what's the point of having that group, which I feel like is honestly the next strongest position at center if it's used right, but he doesn't make the adjustments based on in-game matchups or even per-team matchups. Yeah, I agree 100%. You hit Claxton, it right on the head. <laughs> Claxton's like the guy when you play against a guard like Lamelo Ball that's isoing or getting pick and roll and switching onto your center. Like you want Claxton on. When you play against a slower team like Miami, although Bam was kind of doing this thing, but like you're not too <laughs> concerned about like a Kyle Lowry isoing someone. Like he's not going by you. <laughs> or even yeah. we saw it against Philly with James Harden. Like, I don't want to keep going back to Harden, but like he wasn't going by anyone. Like Kyrie was sticking with him. Like you played Drummond in that matchup. But I don't know, man. Like, if you're not gonna use it, what the hell's the point of having it? And that was like that was the big thing on uh Nets Twitter last year. It's like anytime Claxton was in the game, they'd try to switch him onto a guard and Claxton would lock him up on the perimeter. And then blah, blah, right. blah has failed the Nick Claxton test. That was all over the place. But it's just like, <laughs> but it's like, it just doesn't happen anymore because Nash hasn't made the adjustment against. And that's all the games that we've been getting beat bad. And like at the ugly losses is when we refuse to make the adjustment. And like a ball dominant point guard is usually the kind of guy that leads teams past wins against us. Like that's really what happens the majority of the time. It's just like we need to see more Nick Claxton tests. Is what the is what the predict <laughs> is. It's, it's uh the Nets struggle with young athletic teams with a good point guard. Yeah, we saw it against we yep. saw it against Dallas. We saw I mean Memphis was just a different story, but we've seen it against Memphis <laughs> twice now. We saw it against the Hornets. 
we saw it against the Warriors with Curry and then all those young guards around them, Poole, Wiggins, etc. Um, I mean, it's almost like the Nets are like better off against the teams in the top of the East because they don't really – they're not constructed that way. <laughs> yeah. But when you play like the other teams, like – I mean, I'm going to be honest. If the Nets had to play Atlanta in a 9-10 game – I'm scared for my life because that's just <laughs> a horrible matchup in my opinion. I'm not saying Atlanta has a better players or a better team, and I would still pick the Nets to win. But can you imagine what, like, Trey Young, Capella, like, John Collins, like, that just scares the hell out of me. Yeah. I you mean, know, that, def- that definitely is scary. But Steve Nash broke, uh, broke Trey Young the last time. That we- <laughs> <laughs> last time that we encountered them. So we got to <laughs> happens again when, when he was like that's not basketball <laughs> yeah and then trey and then like the refs started actually noticing and then trey young struggled for like a month after that <laughs> something something i noticed when um that i really like that nash did when we first made the uh trade to bring in uh curry drummond and simmons is that he brought claxton and aldridge both off the bench at the same time and I'm not like I, I kind of liked it. Like I don't think Claxton is really your. I mean, he's he's huge, well, not huge, but like he's tall. But like he's not he's not really a, a a big man. Like he's super fast for his size. So I mean, he could he could if you have to, he could guard him. Like we've seen him guard the other team's ball handler. There were points last year. I mean, I don't know if it was in the playoffs, maybe the regular season, but there was points last year where we saw him guarding Chris Middleton, mm-hmm. and like. I, I don't think that it would limit, you know, our pace or or spacing. I think that's what that's. I honestly like that from Nash. So I mean, he hasn't tested it out because um, Aldridge has been injured, and it wasn't really the best matchup last night to test it out. But I mean, I would love to see it in the future, at least yeah, before I the mean, playoffs start. Christian, twenty uh, seventh. When was that? Yesterday. I knew Aldridge was going to be back. I tweeted out, like, Claxton better not get taken out of the rotation tonight. Aldridge and Claxton can share the floor together. And they didn't. And it wasn't <laughs> what Claxton that was just, taken you out. Cursed, you cursed the Marcus Aldridge. Aldridge, and now he's out of the rotation. Great job, <laughs> But, like, 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 like Christian was saying, like, they're the perfect combo to share the floor together. Yeah, they really are. And it's, and it's like, it's kind of like back to what I was saying before with Aldridge and Simmons. Like, Claxton can kind of play the Simmons role on defense. I mean, not to that extreme. He's not as quick, agile, et cetera. And he could be in the dunker spot where Aldridge can be more of like the pick and pop, like can shoot the ball. You put him on the worst defensive, like worst offensive player on defense. So he's not getting switched on to like Lamella ball too often. I don't know. It's just like, if you're not going to make the adjustments, like what's the point of having him? But anything else you guys want to touch on for the game? Sorry, Christian. The best, the, the best part about, um, bringing in Claxton and Aldridge at the same time, and I don't want to bash a specific player, but I'm going to right here is that James Johnson would probably be out of the rotation completely. Yes, if that happens, <laughs> do it. So more. I mean, it's it's like it's like you're it's like a, a two wins in one, you know. <laughs> yeah, I never yeah. want to see point James Johnson again in my life. That's- <laughs> That was actually a, that was actually a lot of the replies under my tweet was yes this means no more James Johnson please do it <laughs> I saw probably five to ten people that all said the same thing so James um, Johnson hate is like approaching Javon Carter TLC levels like yeah, this is yeah, I think 
I think I posted that on my on my Instagram in my caption. I was like, James Johnson is TLC tier. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's really on the cusp. Like, oh yeah. man, That's somebody's got to tell Joe Sai. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to talk about the game last night before we go into like a standings potential matchup discussion? Uh, no, not with the game. I'm glad it's over. That's what, yeah. <laughs> it's on on to the next. I, I'm glad I didn't go personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I didn't make the five five and a half hour round trip because I almost <laughs> did, but I am glad I didn't. But I mean, it would have been cool to see the Kyrie stuff, even though he didn't play very well, but. Let's move on. Standings. Um, so top four are all within a half game of each other. And the bottom three that are going to make the playoffs are all within a game and a half of each other. So it's still tight pretty much throughout the entire conference. I mean, the Bulls and the Raptors are only – the Bulls, Raptors, and Cavs are kind of that middle tier, and they're only two games apart. So, like, it's very tight in groups in the East. So it's very hard to predict a matchup for the Nets. Um but let's just kind of talk. Let's assume it's Cavs, Hornets, Nets, and Hawks in that play-in tournament. I guess out of those teams, who would who scares you the most for the Nets to play against? I mean, they're all pretty young, pretty athletic. <laughs> so like yeah. they kind of all and that's honestly kryptonite. in a one-game scenario, they kind of scare the hell out of me in general. But Christian, let's start with you. Out of those three, which one scares you the most in a matchup with the Nets? Let's assume it's a one-game elimination game. Oh, man. Honestly, one-game elimination. Probably the Hawks. I can't lie. I mean, I think they have the best player out of all those teams in Trey Young. And like we were saying before, it's a horrible matchup in terms of the pace they play at. I mean, we've seen, we've seen the Nets – beat the Hawks I don't think we've lost them this season so I mean we've played well against them but um we saw it last year I mean they pretty much have the same exact roster that they had last year when they went on that playoff run and I mean at any point they can just flip the switch and turn into that same team so I mean they bring something that the Hornets and Cavs don't have which is that that playoff experience I mean the Hornets made the plan last year but they didn't they didn't win it so yeah. did they win it no they they lost right yeah yeah they lost so um and with the Cavs, i mean they're just going to be getting back uh jared allen they're kind of they're kind of like us in a sense where like maybe we'll get ben simmons back and we kind of have to figure things out on the fly so i mean it would honestly for me it would probably probably go hawks hornets Cavs, as to who I fear the most, <laughs> if you want to use that yeah. word. <laughs> I think, uh, just kind of a little point. I mean, the Hornets and the Hawks, they can score the ball. Like, their issue is defense, and, I mean, that's kind of the Nets issue as well. Like, those two, any of those three teams can just get hot from three, and, like, you're not going to beat them. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's going to be a game where it's like, who gets to 135 first? And I mean, I know that's how the superpower, but like, if you're missing shots, like you shoot 20% from three, like the Nets did in a single elimination game, like it's going to be hard to beat one of those teams. If you do it against the Cavs, like maybe you can get away with it because they don't score at that same level. But right. I don't know. That's just my thought. Anthony, Joe, um, which one do you want to go next? I'll go. Um, All right. 
Personally, I'd probably go Hawks one. Just like you said, Trey Young could score like at ease and like defensively, we don't have the best matchups for him. So probably go him one, like the Hawks two. I'd probably I'm gonna go Hornets two, then Cavs three the same way. I think I, I would probably just said Cavs and Hornets reverse, but yesterday, like watching the middle ball kind of exploit some matchups and Terry Rogier. I feel as if that they could be a little more deadly to the Nets, with the, especially against Cavs, instead of the Cavs. I don't know what Jared Allen's status is going down. Like I know he's like out indefinitely. I don't know if he's gonna be ready to make the playoffs. They'd be uh, playing the playoffs. That may change things a bit. But I feel like we can keep up with the Cavs team like that, where I feel like the Hornets can get like hot and we can fall behind quickly. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely no doubt gonna say the Hawks are one, just because like they like we were saying before, they have Trey Young, who's obviously amazing, and then they have Clint Capella and John Collins, and then they just have shooters everywhere. They have. Kevin Herter, they have Bogdanovich, they have Gallinari, they have guys all over the place that can just light you up and you never know which one it's going to be. Um, so for that reason, the Hawks are definitely going to be one. I'm going to say the Cavs two and the Hornets three. I mean, I know that we just lost to the Hornets last night, but I'm definitely more scared of the Cavs because they, I mean, like Evan Mobley, like I don't know how you guard that guy. And, like, you still – then they have Darius Garland. And if Jared Allen's playing, we know firsthand how deadly Jared Allen can be on the defensive end. And then then now they have Karis LeVert as well. And we know – we also know firsthand how good he is. So, it's just, like – that's another situation, like Christian was saying earlier, with Javon Carter possibly going off in a game against us. Like, we could get caught up in two revenge games at once in a play-in, and I would not want to have any part of that. So for I'll probably put Cavs two and Hornets three. Honestly, you guys you guys bring up a good point with like it kind of made me think with how the Hornets played last night. And I'm like in my head, I'm thinking like how consistent like they can play to that level. They can easily light you up. They have Terry Rozier who can turn into the next coming of Michael Jordan. Same with Miles Bridges. Lamelo <laughs> Ball could be the next coming of Magic Johnson any game. So like with that, though, I feel like last night we, we kind of saw, you know, like the best of them. I don't really think they could play much better than how they played last night. And I don't think things could have got could have gone really worse than how they did for us last night in terms of offense and defense. So, yeah. I mean, I kind of want to change my answer and might go one Hawks two Cavs, and then three Hornets, only because I, I really think we saw the Hornets' best product last night, and, you know, they barely beat us, so. Yeah, they needed a lot of lucky shots, too, <laughs> like, with, yeah. with them to beat us. And Kyrie was, what, like, four for 17 or something like that? Like, yeah. it's not that's not going to happen very often. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think Christian brings up a good point. I mean, honestly, I would pick the Nets when it beat any of them, obviously. But I think they all present their challenges to the Nets. I, th- I think Hart, uh, the Hornets did a great job exploiting kind of the Nets' smaller guards on the block last night, whether it was uh, Bridges or Washington, et cetera. Um, they kind of did that, and then they knocked down a ton of threes. But like Christian said, I don't really think the Hornets could play a much better offensive game than they did. Like, you're not really going to shoot 53% from three very often, <laughs> hopefully. So – I mean, the Nets also, we kind of missed it, but they shot 65% from the field or from the free throw line. They went 17 to 26, which is atrocious. Majority of it was, the majority of it was Drummond. He went six of 11, but a lot went bad for the Nets last night and a lot went well for the Hornets. And the Nets were only down, or they were tied with like four minutes left in the game. 
So, yeah. I mean, I would probably go Hawks, Cavs, Hornets if I had to make a list. But I think you throw Ben Simmons in there, you're blowing out any three of those teams. Yeah, but totally. the bottom, or I guess, yeah, it's not really the bottom, but that's six through ten slot in the East. Throw the Raptors in there, which would be my number one team I wouldn't want to play, of course. But um, yeah, they're you all want, young. You don't want to go to Toronto. Right. They're all young and like athletic and they're just going to keep getting better and better. Like they're not going to get any worse. The East is no cakewalk anymore. And that's just the bottom. But now let's jump to the top. So we got Boston, Miami, Milwaukee, and Philly. Let, let's say the Nets get out of the playing tournament, which someone knocked on the wood for me. And they draw one of those teams at the top. Let's just do quick. Which one would you most want to play? Uh, Anthony, you can start. Rob Williams now out for the season, so I'm leaning the Celtics, to be honest. I know they've been playing really well lately, but I just think we could out-talent them personally. Maybe it'll be a little biased, but that's my personal feeling. Okay. Joe? The, you said one through four? Yeah, oh, I one most. Bulls. Oh, they said most. Yeah. Well, did you want me to rank all four of them? No, just who who would you want to have the Nets play the most? Yeah, those Celtics. Celtics? Joe? I'll take the, I want the 76ers. <laughs> All right. I think I know your reasoning. She wants to say that. Christian? Uh, I might have to uh, agree with Joe. I think I want yeah. the 76ers, too. Okay. I feel like, I'm I feel like we can beat I, them easily, too. That's my thing. I, yeah. I, think. I, I think you can beat them, but I, uh, I think they would be my second. I'm going with the Heat. I think they're slow. They're old. And Dang. I just think the Nets match up well against them. I think the 76ers, Joel Embiid, still kind of scares me in a seven-game series. Cool. Um, I don't feel like – Don't let anyone else do it. <laughs> I guess. I just feel like Miami doesn't have that same level player. I feel like they're all kind of a little overrated, in my opinion. Yeah. I think Jimmy, Kyle Lowry, I mean, Bam's great, but I think they're pretty much overrated, and they're going way downhill. So, we'll see. But – um, anything else you guys want to talk about real quick? I want to get I want to get Christian's opinion on a potential offseason move. Do you think Joe Harris is a net by the start of next season with his $18 million salary and all the free agents we have? Uh, it's tough, honestly. I mean, I would love for him to be on the roster. I think the best way they could handle it is um, keep him. Then see what you if he's not performing well, um, you can kind of see what you could get for him. If you can't really get much for him at the deadline, then uh, you got to keep him and hope, pray to God. I mean, I don't really think that the ankle will kind of affect his his shot. It's not like he was super athletic. He wasn't. He he was just he's strictly there to shoot. So I mean, I don't really think it'll affect um, how good he is. I feel like. Most Nets fans are quick to uh, forget how elite he is at shooting because of the Bucks mm-hmm. series last year. But, I mean, he really is a significant part. Amazing for us right now in a time where Patty Mills is really struggling. So, And also with Ben Simmons, I mean, it's we can uh, bring him back, which would be great. I mean, if, if we have to – if we could bring Bruce and Claxton back and it comes at the cost of keeping Joe – I mean, sorry. And if we also keep Joe and it comes at the cost of um, Andre Drummond leaving us because of money, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, 
I would probably take that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm like torn on it though. I like, I know yeah. how player Joe Harris is, but like, if you have, if you have Seth Curry for an $8 million price tag, yeah, are able to keep like, like, say, like, LaMarcus could retire this offseason, you know, like, yeah. then you just keep Drummond, Clax, and Bruce and Seth and like get something back for Joe. Like it might strengthen the team, but I know how important Joe Harris is. He's one of the last, he is the last like baby net left. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough situation because I mean, if, if we win the championship without him this year, then, then trade him and bring everybody back that you possibly can. But I mean, if it all spirals out of control, then yeah. uh, I think um, we'll really be able to determine that um, after the playoffs, depending on, you know, how Drummond plays and how much we use Bruce with Ben coming back. Like, so, I mean, it, it'll, it'll uh, get figured out. I feel like we'll have the clear answer in a few months. And I think, I believe the max for both Bruce and Claxton is like four years, 38 million, I believe for both of them. Cause I think they were both second round rookies, like on yeah. rookie deals. So I think that's the max for both of them. Bruce might be a little different because he signed the qualifying offer. I'm not 100% yeah. sure, but I know for a fact Clax is like four for 38 or four for 39, something like that. Yeah, I mean, that that honestly wouldn't be I – would, I would sign him for that in a second, honestly. I mean, it's a pretty solid deal in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, before we end real quick, Joe, Anthony, we got to make our picks for the Pistons game. Joe, you're still first. So, Nets hosting Detroit. Who's winning? Uh, it's like, I don't know. It's like we're playing three games in four days. So, it's like, like I don't know. Um, I'll take a win just for the hell of it. I think there's a solid chance that we may end up choking that one, though. All right, I'm gonna. I just I gotta catch you. I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna say it. But but I'm gonna take a loss. A win, Anthony. A win. Anthony, a win. Okay. I'm going and with a win. Take a, all right. A so win. Christian's taking a win. Also, there we go. Yeah. So Christian, we've been tallying like we predict the outcome of games ever since like midway through the season, and like I was picking a loss throughout that like entire win lo- losing streak. <laughs> So, like, I gained a lot of ground on them, and they're trying to catch me now. <laughs> oh, too hard. But, uh, all right, anything else? You think we're good here, guys? I think we're all good. Uh, I think that's it. All right. Christian, big thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. If you don't already yes, follow him, check him out on Instagram, Nets Reports. He has um, the Twitter also, again, also, right? True, yeah, true. Yep. Is yeah, it the so same the uh, username? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so follow him, Twitter, Instagram, knows his stuff. Good take on Nets basketball. Um, once again, this was the Sports Ethos Nets podcast with Anthony, Joe, and Cody, joined by Christian McKenna from Nets Report. Thank you for listening. Please like, comment, subscribe, interact with us. It's what we do it for. And let's get out of that ninth season. Let's go Nets.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.